All right, can we give the Lord some praise this morning? Come on. Amen. Listen, we are so excited that you're here today, excited to to hear the word of God. Did anybody come ready to hear the word this morning? Amen. Amen. Well, listen, my name is uh, Trey Powell. I'm one of the staff pastors here at South Metro, for those of you who don't know. And we're just so glad that you're here today. And we have been in a series here at South Metro on the book of Ephesians. And, uh, and so we've been kind of walking through each chapter of the book of Ephesians. And so today I'm going to come, we're going to cover chapter five in the book of Ephesians. But before we do that, I want to look in the camera at the back of the room and I want to welcome all of our Go Church family up in Maryland, just outside of our nation's capital, Washington, D.C. Yeah, come on, let them know how much we love them. As many of you know, we are one church in two locations. We have our South Atlanta campus here, and then we have our Go Church campus all the way up in Maryland, and so we love them. They're our family. We're worshiping alongside of them this morning, 702 miles apart, and so we believe that the Spirit of God is moving there and moving here at the same time, and God is touching hearts and lives, and so Go Church, we love you, and we welcome you today. We also welcome all of those who are just watching online. Maybe you're on vacation this morning. Uh, We're all jealous that you you're on vacation, but we're glad that you're tuning in. Maybe you're on your iPhone on the beach or got your iPad out. We're glad that you're tuning in this morning, or maybe you're just homesick or, or, or whatever it may be. We're just glad that you're here with us today uh, in spirit and joining us online, and so we love you. And then last but not least, we want to welcome all of our men and women in the military who are serving around the world. We thank you. Yeah, come on, let them know. We thank you for your service, and we thank you for tuning in this morning and joining us here at South Metro, and we pray that the Lord blesses you today and that God shows his favor upon your life. Well, as I said a moment ago, we've been in this series on the book of Ephesians, but beginning in in August, we are going to be kicking off a new series here at South Metro called Ask Away. Now, how many folks out there, how many of you are question askers? Any any question askers out there? Y'all gonna, some of y'all, y'all going to ask questions on everything you do. You're going to go get the oil changed in your car, and you're going to ask every single question you can think of. You're going to ask questions. Some of y'all, my dad is a question asker. When we go to eat somewhere, my dad wants to ask questions about everything on the, on the menu, and he never orders anything that he asks questions about, all right? But this is a if you're a question asker, this is the series for you because we're going to give you an opportunity to participate and to ask questions, and so we're going to answer these questions here on Sunday morning, and all of the questions, maybe it's a question about life or the Bible, all of them will be asked from a biblical perspective. So you're going to be able to ask questions, submit them online, and then we're going to come on Sundays here on the uh, on, from the stage, and we are going to answer the questions from a biblical perspective. If you'd like to participate in the series, you can go to this website, askawayseries.com, and there will be a, a place on there for you to submit questions, for you to participate in what is happening in this series. All right, are you ready for the word this morning? Anybody come ready, ready to receive from God, to hear from the word? So listen, for the last four weeks here at South Metro, we've spent these Sundays talking through the book of Ephesians, and so we've discovered some important things uh, uh, along the way, and one of the things that we've talked about is how the book of Ephesians is separated into, into two different parts. The first three chapters of the book of Ephesians lay out a picture of the gospel and what the gospel or the good news of Jesus looks like. And then the final three chapters of the book of Ephesians deals with how the gospel should affect our life. As believers, the gospel should be affecting every aspect of my life. And so one of the thoughts that has continually 
been shared in each chapter and has become the centerpiece for each sermon in this series is simply this, that in Christ, his story reshapes our story. See, the reality is this this morning, that if you're in Jesus Christ, that if, you're, if you have found yourself in Christ, then his story, the gospel, should be changing the chapter of your life. It should be changing the direction of your life. I don't know about anybody else, but whenever I came to Jesus, I was walking one way, but when Jesus came into my life and changed me, I began to walk a different way. See, when you come to Christ, your story and your journey should begin to change. And so we learn in the book of Ephesians that his story is reshaping our story. It's making us into new creations. And so this morning as we dive into chapter 5, this idea of being reshaped, it comes into clear focus with one key statement. The Apostle Paul shares this in Ephesians uh, chapter 5 verse 1. He says, imitate God. Therefore, in everything you do, Because you are his dear children. Now I want you to look at those first two words there. He says, imitate God. Now, now, Paul's kicking this thing off with a bang. See, this statement I would tell you this morning, and and you may argue with me, but I I would say this statement might be the most challenging command in all of Scripture. And and when when I first read this, I said, yeah, imitate God, okay. I can do that. I'm a Christian. I'm supposed to look like Jesus. I'm supposed to act like him. Yeah, imitate God. Yeah, okay. And then I was like, wait a second. Wait, wait, hold on. Imitate God? Imitate, imitate God. Really, Paul? Uh, Paul, Paul, how is it, how is it possible for me to imitate God? I got to thinking about it. I was like, the, the weightiness of this statement began to, begin to strike me. And I, I was, I began to ask this question. How am I supposed to imitate the creator of all things? How am I supposed to imitate one who never had a beginning or an end? How am I supposed to imitate one who is perfect in all of their ways? I don't know about you, but I'm not perfect. Any, any perfect people out there this morning? If you raise your hand, you're lying. Because ain't nobody perfect. The only person who was ever perfect was Jesus. But, but this, is, this is this command uh, from Paul to us to imitate God. And I'm thinking, I don't know how I'm going to do that. I, I, sometimes, listen, y'all, I struggle in life sometimes. I, I make mistakes. I'm not perfect. I'm flawed. I'm failed. And now I'm being told to imitate one who's perfect. How am I going to do that? See, I can't imagine there being anything in life more difficult or challenging than trying to imitate God. And yet the the call is clear here. And, And Paul even raises the stakes in the next part of the verse. He says, imitate God, therefore, in everything you do. Now, not only am I supposed to try to imitate God, but I'm supposed to do it in everything that I do in my life. That's supposed to permeate every aspect of my life. Listen, y'all, I'm just gonna tell you this morning. Yesterday, my wife and I were traveling back from Savannah We had gone down to visit some family. We were celebrating uh, my dad's 60th birthday. Today is actually his birthday. So, Dad, if you're watching online, happy birthday. And uh, I I love you. But listen, we we were traveling, and and I'm just going to be transparent. And I was transparent about this the last time I preached in May. And I'm going to talk about it again because this is therapy for me, all right? But I know, I know we got perfect people out there, but I'm not perfect, and I'm just going to share my heart with you today. I was riding down the road, 
And I don't know if anybody's ever been on Interstate 16 in South Georgia, but there's only two lanes on that one side of the road, and everybody wants to get in both of those lanes and go the same speed. And I don't deal well with that, all right? I'm just, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm just going to get it off my chest this morning. I struggle when I'm riding down the road. I'm not patient. I want you to get out of the way. I'm trying to get somewhere. I want to get from point A to point B as fast as I can. Get out of my way. Get over. Or I'm going to rear-end you. <laughs> Kidding, I'm not going to do that. But, man, I get frustrated. I'm over there, and I'm like, I'm getting, I'm getting irritated, and Monty's trying to sleep, and I'm trying to keep, keep my composure, and I'm like, come on, get out of my way. It's always those semi-trucks. They want to they get there and they want to go slow and they're like, I own the road. And I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, get out of my way. I got to go somewhere. And the Lord reminded me of this. I'm preaching this message and I'm thinking, imitate God in everything you do. I'm like, well, I sure ain't imitating God right now. Man, if somebody looked at me and they said, if that's God, I don't want any part of that. I'm getting frustrated, getting irritated, and I'm thinking, man, God, how am I supposed to do this if I'm not perfect? How am I supposed to be like you? How am I supposed to imitate God in everything I do? No pressure, right? And so now, not only are we being told to imitate the most supreme being in all the universe, but we're supposed to do it in every aspect of our life. I mean, listen, y'all, I'm just, just being honest today. Sometimes I struggle just to betray how am I supposed to be like God? Sometimes I struggle just to be me. You know, I, I, my, my, my heart is willing, but my flesh is weak. I want to look like Jesus. I want to act like Jesus. But you know what? I act more like Trey than I do anything else. I want to act like, I tend to act like the world than more, more so sometimes than I do God. But the call doesn't change. God doesn't look at me and say, because you're not perfect, I'm going to release this call from you. I've still called you to be like me. I've still called you to live this life. And so I look at this and I'm thinking, imitate God, therefore, in everything you do. And then I said, wait a second. And I read the rest of that verse. You see, there's something there's some important about understanding context. When you Sometimes we just want to pick and choose what works for us or pick and choose what we don't want to participate in. And the reality is we got to read things in context sometimes so that we can understand what God is trying to say to us. And I noticed something there because Paul's next words matter greatly to our understanding of what this command means. And, and as I read that, the thought occurred to me that one of the most amazing things that I've learned about God in my 35 years of life is that God has never called me to do anything with the expectation that I will always be perfect in it. You hear what I'm saying today? God has never called you to do anything for him with the expectation that you will always be perfect. You know why? Because God knows you better than you know yourself. Because God knows me. God knows Trey is, is a failure. God knows Trey is flawed. God knows Trey's going to mess up. While he calls us to strive for perfection, he doesn't expect me to do everything in perfection. He knows I'm going to mess up. He knows I'm going to fail. That's why he sent Jesus so he could help me and give me strength to make it along the way. God knows me. God knows I'm going to fail. He knows we're not perfect. He calls us to strive for perfection, but he knows we can't do it on our own. And so Paul says, imitate God, therefore, in everything you do. But the last part of that is what I really want you to see here. Because he says this. He says, imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his children. Now, here's why that's significant. Paul, Paul is, is trying to help us to understand something here. 
What he's saying is that the expectation here is not that we attempt to fulfill this challenge to be like Christ with perfect precision like we try to do as adults, but to approach it from the standpoint of a child. And think about it like this. Think about a child who admires or, or who, a child who is imitating their parent. And many of you out here today, you have children. Have you ever seen your children try to imitate you? Anybody ever seen your children try to imitate you? Say, I've seen it. I've seen your children imitating you. You know what you do? You get your phone out and you video it because you think it's so cute, right? You want to put it on Facebook for all the world to see it because it's the cutest thing in the world. Now listen, when your child starts imitating you, you don't look at them when they do it wrong and correct them. When your child is doing something like daddy or like mommy and it's funny and you're enjoying it, you don't look at them and say, stop, you're doing it wrong. You little punk, don't, don't ever do that again. You're messing up daddy's famous phrase. You wouldn't do that to your child. No, you laugh, you smile, you think it's cute. You video it and put it on Facebook for everybody to see it because it's the greatest thing in the world to you. And you know what I imagine? That it's the same way with God. He says, imitate me, imitate me, therefore, in everything you do because you're my child. Imitate me. I'm looking at you like my child and I'm looking at you with eyes of love and I'm not expecting you to get it perfect and right all the time. I'm just expecting you to pursue me and to fall in love with me. Do you hear what I'm saying this morning? Paul's relieving the pressure from us to perform for God and instead to be like a child who adores their parent, imitating them. See, your child imitates you because they want to be like you. Your child imitates you because you're the most important person in their life. Your child imitates you because they love you and they admire you and they want to be just like you when they grow up. Now, when I was growing up, when I was a kid, Y'all know I like to tell you my, my stories, and I, I'm just, I just go full disclosure here. When I, when I was a kid, I, I, I wanted, and people would ask me what I wanted to be, I, I always wanted to be a cowboy. I know. Everybody's laughing. It's okay. I wanted to be a cowboy. I wore cowboy boots and a cowboy hat all the time. The first several birthdays that I had in my life were cowboy-themed birthdays. We'd have somebody in our church come, bring a horse out, and I'd ride that horse the whole time. I didn't even care about hanging out with my friends. I just wanted to ride the horse because I wanted to be a cowboy. I thought cowboys were the coolest thing ever. I loved John Wayne, and I loved Clint Eastwood, and I wanted to be a cowboy. I wanted, I'd wear my cow, my, my, sometimes we, when we get ready to go to church, mom would make me wear my little suit to church and she made me put on my, my, they called them Buster Browns or whatever. I'd go, I'd go put my shoes on and go to church and then before we'd leave the house, I'd sneak back in there and put my cowboy boots on because I wanted to wear cowboy boots everywhere I went. In fact, I wore cowboy boots so much, one, one night my parents walked in my room and I was about five years old and I was asleep they, and, and uh, my, uh, I, I'd had a TV or something going in my room and they walked in there to turn everything off and when they looked they, they noticed that the covers looked a little bit weird on my bed and they were like what in the world it was like sticking up kind of weird and so they thought I might have a toy in the bed or something they walked over there and pulled the covers back and when they did I was laying there in my pajamas with my cowboy boots on in the bed I was sleeping with my cowboy boots because I wanted to be a cowboy I admired them I thought they were the coolest thing on the planet but you know what there was someone in my life that I desired to be like that overcame and trumped the admiration that I had for cowboys. You know who that was? That was my dad. It was my dad. I wanted to be just like my dad. I wanted to be like him. In fact, people when, would ask me what I wanted to be when I grow up, and I, I used to say cowboy, but then all of a sudden I started saying, I want to be a cowboy preacher. 
I wanted to start a church where cowboys rode their horses to church and they'd tie them up outside and then I'd preach to the cowboys. And then we'd go out and we'd ride and it'd be, man, it'd be great. I still might enjoy that. <laughs> I love, but, but, but I, I said I want to be a cowboy preacher. You see which one stuck, right? I'm standing up here in a pair of skinny jeans. I ain't no cowboy. But I'm a preacher. I'm a preacher. I, I wanted to be like my daddy. I wanted to be like my daddy. And what I didn't realize is that, that this call to preach wasn't just me wanting to be like my daddy. It was me wanting to be like my Jesus. It was me wanting to be like the one who had changed my life. I wanted to be like him because I admired him and I loved him. People would say all the time, they'd look at me and they'd say, Trey, you are the spitting image of your daddy. I'm like, I don't know what that means. Spit, I like to spit. I'm a little boy. I didn't know what that means. And I'd walk around and I would say, I'm the spitting engine of my daddy. That doesn't make any sense. But you know what? I didn't understand what it meant, but I knew there was pride in the statement. I knew when I said I'm the spitting engine of my daddy, it meant, that I, it meant that I was trying to be like him. It meant that I wanted to be like him. It meant that I admired him. You see, the one who trumped everything else that I wanted to be in life was the one that I truly admired. And so Paul here is not trying to force or manipulate us to imitate Christ, but encourage us to fall in love with him. So Paul is relieving the pressure for us to perform in perfection, but rather to strive in admiration. Why? Because we imitate what we admire. I didn't even show you all those pictures. I'm going to skip past. We imitate what we admire. If y'all want to see those, I'll show them to you later. We imitate what we admire in life. What does your life look like? I bet there's somebody in your life who is affected the way you're acting right now. I bet there's somebody, a parent or a guardian or somebody in your life who had, as much, had so much influence on you that you are who you are today because of them. We imitate what we admire. And see, here's the reality today, that when we fall in love with Jesus, we should want to be like him. That when I'm in Jesus, that when I give my life to him, then I shouldn't be looking like him. And here's the problem, that if I don't look like him, then I need to question my heart. If I, don't look, if I claim to know Jesus, but I don't look like Jesus, something's wrong. Because we imitate what we admire. We imitate what we want to be. I read a study this week that said imitation is, is vital to a child's upbringing. That in fact, that a child imitating their parent is actually how they, how they learn to speak. It's how they learn language. It's how they interact with the world. We learn by imitating. And you know, I found this to be true, that just as we learn as a child by imitating our parents or other people in our lives, we learn, we learn through imitation or it's through imitation that we learn to be like Jesus. See, I learned to be like Christ by imitating him. And so maybe you're asking the question this morning, how do I begin to imitate Christ? How, how do I begin to do this, Pastor Trey? How do, how do I begin? Well, the first thing we got to realize is that you can't do it on your own. See, I can't be like Jesus in my own power because I'm a failure. Because I'm weak. Because I, I, I am flesh. My flesh wants to do other things. My spirit cries out saying, be like Jesus. But my flesh says, no, don't do that. Do what you enjoy. Do what you want to do. Live like the world. Uh, most of the time our, our flesh gets control and our flesh wants to be like the world. But Paul is saying here, know that we're to be like Jesus and we have to realize we cannot do it on our own. So how do we imitate Christ? How do we do this? Well, the first thing that we've got to realize is that we have to be in Christ before we can be like Christ. 
See, we got a lot of people that are running around claiming to know Jesus, but they look nothing like him. He's not actually in their life. They're not in him. They've not truly been found in him. They just claim him because they want a free ticket to heaven. We run around and we say, oh, Jesus, 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 this, and I go to church and I, I do this, but my life doesn't reflect him, and it's because I'm not in him. I have to be in Christ before my story can be changed. I have to be in Christ before I can start looking like him. I can't look like someone that I'm not close to. Do you hear what I'm saying? See, I wasn't going to imitate my dad if I was never around him. I wasn't going to imitate the person in my life that I was never around. I had to be close to them before I could imitate them. You're not going to look like Christ until you get close to him. Until you begin to pursue him and chase after him in your life. He's not off hiding away from you. He's waiting to be found very easily. He's in, in fact, he's hiding in plain sight. But our problem is we don't want to go after him. We want the free ticket to heaven. We want all the good things that come with God, but we don't want our life to be changed. We want God to heal us and fix our problems, but we don't want to quit doing the stuff that we're doing. And so we're not in Christ. And we cannot imitate him until we are in him. See, it was in Christ that the apostle Paul went from Saul, the Christian persecutor and Christian killer, to Paul, the writer of two-thirds of the New Testament. It was in Christ that Peter went from denying Christ and running in fear to standing up boldly on the day of Pentecost and preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is in Christ and only in Christ that we can truly be like Christ. It's only in him that my story can be reshaped. Listen, we can't change ourselves. We don't have enough willpower to overcome our sins. But I'll tell you this this morning. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And I would say it like this. I can do all things in Christ who gives me strength. It is his power. It is his anointing. It is him moving in my life and changing me to make me like him. I can't do it myself. But in Christ, I can do it. Do you know what? There's more to this. See, the Apostle Paul tells us to imitate God in everything we do. But then we jump down to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, and Paul says this. He says, don't be drunk with wine. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, let me explain something to you real quick. Pastor JC talked a little bit about this last week. But, but he, he, here's why Paul is making this comparison here. Because he's saying that there's a lot of people out there who have stress and things going on in their life and they deal with their stress and they deal with their problems by doing this. By drinking alcohol, by, or maybe, maybe it's not drinking alcohol, maybe, maybe it's popping a pill or, or maybe it's shopping or maybe it's eating or, or whatever it may be. We start feeling the pressures of life and so we start chasing after something that's going to make us feel better. And what Pastor JC was saying last week, and I say to you again today, that when we start chasing after these other things and we're drunk with wine and we're, we're, we're going out and we're shopping all the time and we're eating all the time to make ourselves feel better, we're saying that Jesus is not enough. We're saying, Jesus, you're not enough to, to, to give me the peace that I need. And so Paul says here, don't be drunk with wine. If you want to be like Christ, though, you must be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's through the Spirit's power that we're changed. He says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now let me explain this. We're Pentecostal. We believe in speaking in tongues and we believe in the gifts and all of that. But listen, Paul is not talking about that here. Paul's not talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit with gifts and tongues and all of that. Paul is addressing a daily presence of God's Spirit in our life. He's saying that every single aspect of your life should be permeated with God's presence through the Spirit. That everywhere you go and everything you do should be filled with the Spirit. 
That when you wake up in the morning, your your day should be filled with the Holy Spirit. He's saying that this is a daily infilling. See, it's only through the power of the Holy Spirit that we can imitate Christ. See, the problem for so many Christians today is that far too many of us want to attempt to live a holy life in our own power. Listen, I'm talking to me today. We, we, we try to imitate God and we try to live like Christ and we try to live a holy life, but we try to do it without the Holy Spirit. He's the Holy One. He's the one who comes and makes the change in our life, but we try to do it on our own. You cannot live a godly life without the Holy Spirit. Not, I'm not talking about speaking in tongues and, and, and all of that. I'm talking about having the Spirit of God with you everywhere you go. You need the Holy Spirit. Every aspect of your life should be filled with Him. Even in the book of Acts chapter 10, verse 38, it says that Jesus, the life that Jesus lived and the works that Jesus did was through the power of the Holy Spirit. So if the perfect one, who is Jesus, needed the Holy Spirit for Him to do the work of God, then how much more do I need the Holy Spirit to be effective in my life? And maybe you're saying this morning, well, Pastor Trey, well, how does that happen? How how am I filled with the Holy Spirit? You know, it's pretty simple. You ask him. I know, I know, I'm sorry, y'all, this is elementary right here. I know that, that's easy. That's the Sunday school answer. Ask him. You know what? We need the Sunday school answer sometimes. We try to overcomplicate this thing, and God's just saying, ask me, and I will fill you. He tells us, seek, ask not to do all these things, but we don't do it. We want to make it harder than it actually has to be. He says, you have not because you ask not. Listen, I want you to understand something, that the Bible tells us that when we come to Christ, that the Holy Spirit comes into our life and that he is walking with us and helping us. He is the advocate, the helper, the paraclete, and he comes alongside of us and he walks with us and he helps us and he fills us and gives us strength to do what God has called us to do. And the thing about the Holy Spirit is this, that he will not fill a life that doesn't ask him to. Growing up in, in, in the church, I always heard this. My dad always said this. He said, the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He will never force his way in. And I, I don't know about you, but I don't go to somebody else's house and bust up in their door. I knock on the door first. I ring the doorbell before I go in. I don't walk up. If somebody just walks up in my house, they might get shot. I'm kidding. I'm not going to shoot anybody. But you understand what I'm saying? We, we don't force our way into other people's lives. Likewise, the Holy Spirit does not force his way in. He's just waiting on an invitation. He's saying, hey, you want to be like Jesus? Let me in. Let me be a part of your life. Let me come in. Let me give me access to your life. Give me access to those rooms at the, you know, when, when we have a guest over a lot of times, we don't want to clean the whole house, so we shut the rooms at the back of the house, right? We shut the doors and we let them go where we want them to go. And the Holy Spirit's saying, you're doing that spiritually. You're only letting me in certain parts of the house that you've cleaned up before I got here. No, I'm wanting access to every aspect of your life. I want to go back into that back room where all the junk is and all the mess is. I want to get in there. Here's why, because I want to help you clean it up. I'd love to have somebody who cared enough about me to come by my house and help me clean it up sometimes. Y'all don't all show up at my house today. My wife will kill me. We have to invite him in to have his way, to come and to be a part of our life. And hear me this morning, it is not just a one-time experience. This is not just a one moment in an altar years ago. It's not just a Sunday and Wednesday encounter. It is an every single day refreshing of God's presence in your life, an invitation for him to walk with you everywhere you go. Every single day you wake up, you should be pursuing 
a fresh and filling of God's spirit. Come to the music. Asking him to lead you, to guide you, and to make you more like Jesus. See, I can't look like Jesus without the power of the Holy Spirit of my life. I want you to see something this morning. I want you to see what happens when we, when we begin to uh, be filled with the Holy Spirit and when we're daily filled with him and when we begin to imitate Christ, this is what happens for us. The way we think changes. See, the problem for a lot of people is the, the reason they can't get to where they need to go is because their pattern of thinking is wrong. Because their pattern of thinking, they think like the world. And they think like the people and the influences of those around them, those, the, the friends who don't know Jesus or the people on their job that are, that, that are strong and influencing them. And so what happens is the way we think, we, we begin to yeah, get these patterns of thinking. And what, that, what happens with that is then we, we're not thinking with the mind of Christ. And I, if I'm not thinking with the mind of Christ, I can't be like Christ. And so, so what I've found in my life is this, that whatever I allow here will eventually end up here. What I allow in my mind will eventually end up in my heart. I tell our students all the time, the poison and the junk that you put in your mind through music or through the people you hang around or through the movies you watch or whatever it may be, the stuff that you put in your mind or the stuff you allow to stay in your mind, such as a thought, a tempting thought, when you allow that stuff to stay there, it's like poison that eventually seeps into your heart and it will darken your heart. That's why Paul says this in Romans 12 too, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person. By what? By changing the way you think. You want to be transformed? The way you think has to change. You want to look like Jesus? The way you think has to change. You've got to allow the Holy Spirit to come in. And guess what? He goes on from this to say, then you will learn to know God's will. So we got people, man, listen, I've been guilty of this. I'm not preaching at you. I'm preaching to me. We have all been guilty and I have been guilty of pursuing the will of God without allowing my mind to be transformed. I cannot know the will of God until my thinking has changed. And here's what happened. Not only will the way you think change, but the way you live will change. See, when I give the Holy Spirit of God access to my life, he changes the way I think. And then what happens is it comes out in my life. See, when I allow something in my mind, it eventually gets in my heart. When it gets in my heart, it will come out in my life. If I'm listening to, if I'm listening to, to, to F words and cuss words and all kinds of stuff like that all the time with the shows I'm watching, it will eventually get in my mind. It will eventually get in my heart, and it will come out of my mouth at some point. If I'm around people telling dirty jokes and coarse jokes all the time, telling bad things, eventually it will get in my mind. Then it will get in my heart, and it will come out, and I'll start telling the jokes. What I allow in my mind gets in my heart, comes out in my life. The Bible says out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Whatever's in your heart today is what is going to come out in your life. That's why the pattern of your thinking has to change so the pattern of your living can change. Jesus said this in Luke chapter 6, that a tree is known by the fruit it bears. The Bible compares us to a tree. A tree like an apple tree, it produces apples and an orange tree produces oranges. If I'm a tree in Christ, then I should be producing good things. I should be producing good fruit that people, that people are attracted to. And so things, good things should be coming out of my life. But listen, if I'm pursuing the things of the world, negative rotten fruit's going to come out of my life. It's, it's simple, right? 
It's a simple understanding. And so when I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, what comes out of my life will be fresh and sweet and attractive to the world. That's why Paul said in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, he said, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Guess what? I can't do that on my own. I'm not naturally, I, I, I'm not naturally loving. I, honestly, I'm naturally, in my flesh, I'm selfish. I'm not always naturally joyful or naturally at peace or naturally patient with people. I told you that riding down the road. Or being kind or good or faithful or gentle or having self-control. I can only do that through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so here's what happens. When I allow him to come in and to be a part of my life and to begin to change me and to begin to make me look more like Christ, instead of having anger, I'll have love. Instead of having sadness, I'll have joy. Instead of being stressed out and worried all the time, I'll have peace. Instead of being impatient and frustrated, I'll have patience. Lord, help me. Instead of being mean, I'll be kind. Instead of having immorality and allowing immorality in my life, there will be goodness in me. Instead of being irresponsible, I'll be faithful to the things that I'm supposed to do. Instead of being harsh, I'll be gentle with my family. Instead of lacking restraint, I will show show self-control in the things I know I don't need to do. Church, hear me today. When you are filled with the Spirit and imitate Christ, everything you could not do on your own can and will be changed. Would you stand with me this morning? But you have to be in him. And you have to let his spirit fill your life. I want to close with Paul's final thoughts on, on being filled with the spirit. He said in verse 18, instead be filled with the spirit. But then he says this in Ephesians 5, 19. He says, when you are filled with the Spirit, you will begin singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your heart. You know what this tells me right here? This tells me that a Spirit-filled person will always be a person of praise. I believe this, that the greatest sign of someone who is imitating Christ and the greatest sign of someone who has been filled with the Spirit is someone who praises and worships worships God in every aspect of their life. They're someone always ready to give glory to God, always ready to honor God with their lips, always ready to honor God with their life. A Spirit-filled person will be a person of praise, a person of worship, a person who adores and honors God. A Spirit-filled person can't help but sing songs of honor and worship. They can't help but overflow with a heart of thankfulness. And we worship him because he's worthy. We worship him because he's changed our life. We worship him because we know we couldn't get to where we are on our own. We worship him because he picked us up out of the junk of our life and set us upon the rock of Jesus Christ and gave us hope and gave us life. I can't do it on my own, but in him I can do all things and I will. Praise Him for it. Singing psalms, hymns, spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts. And you know what? That's exactly how I want us to close today. I want us to close with our hands lifted, with our voices lifted, with our hearts lifted to the King who has come and made us new, who has given us life. They're going to come and they're going to sing a song of praise this morning. And I invite you this morning to say, hey, I I may not feel very good right now, but God, I'm going to give you praise because you're worthy. God, this morning, I know you're changing me and you're making me like your son and you're filling me with the Holy Spirit. And so, God, I invite you today to come and have your way in my life.
So we're going to close today by inviting the Holy Spirit just to come and to have his way. To say, begin it right now, Jesus. Begin the work right now so that when I get up to go to work tomorrow morning and I don't feel like it, I can get up with a praise on my lips. That I can get up and I can go to that job and I can deal with my crazy kids and I can deal with all the mess of my life because you have filled me fresh and you're making me more like your son. I want us to close today with that. Here's the challenge that Paul gave to us. Imitate Christ. Be filled with the Spirit and sing songs of praise. Imitate Christ. Be filled with the Spirit and sing songs of praise. So I want to invite you this morning. You say, man, I need a fresh and filling of the Holy Spirit in my life. I need to look like Christ. I just, I need more of God in my life because I love Him. Would you just slip your hands up to Him right now and begin to call on Him and just say, God, come and fill me fresh. God, come and touch me today. God, come and move in my life. And as you do that, we're going to begin to sing a song of praise unto God. We're going to begin to declare His glory in this place. And we're going to be changed from the inside out. And we're going to look different when we walk out of this place today. Come on, begin to work Worship right now. Call on him. Tell him. Invite him in. I am chosen, not forsaken. I am who you say I am. You are for me, not against me. I am who you say I am. I am chosen, not forsaken. I am who you say. Yeah.
morning, before we leave, if you say, if you're here today and you say, I, I don't know Jesus, I've never given my life to him, you don't have to leave today without him filling your life. The Bible tells us this, that all we have to do is confess that Jesus is Lord in our heart and believe that he was raised from the dead and we will be saved. So this morning, you don't have to have someone lay their hands on you for you to be saved. You don't have to necessarily come and kneel at an altar, although this altar is always open for you to come. But this morning, you can make a decision to say, Jesus, I may not know you, but I know I need you. And Jesus, I want to invite you to come and just have your way in my life. Forgive me of my sins. Change me. Help me to be like you. I believe in you, Jesus. I believe what you've done for me. I believe that you sacrificed your life for me on a cross and that you paid the price for my sins. I believe that three days later you rose up from the grave and today I give my life to you. Very simply, just talk to him. Say, Jesus, come and have your way in my life. And as simple as that, he'll come. He'll save you and he'll change you. And then he'll begin to work in your life and your life will begin to look different if you'll allow him every single day to move in you so one more time can we just I want to invite you just to lift your hands as an act of surrender and worship to God as we prepare to leave this place and let's just invite him one last time to have his way in us Jesus today Lord we have heard your word and God I believe this that, that your word when it is sent out will never return to you empty and so God I pray today Lord that your word God would bring transformation in someone's life. God, I pray today, Lord, that someone who maybe has been claiming Christ, but they're not in Christ, Lord, that today, Lord, their life would be turned around. God, I pray for that person today, Lord, who's never given their life to him, Lord. I pray that right now in this moment, Lord, that they would submit and surrender their life to you. Lord, and that they would find that you really are who you say you are. God, and that they can be completely different in you. God, I pray that you would bless us. God, Lord, seal this word today in our heart by the power of the Holy Spirit. Fill us fresh and new every day when we wake up tomorrow morning. God, and we don't want to go to work. God, I pray that we'd be reminded to imitate you. That we'd be reminded that your Holy Spirit is right there waiting on an invitation to walk with us. God, when our kids are acting crazy, God, remind us to imitate you. Lord, when we get to work and our boss is acting crazy, remind us to imitate you. When we get in traffic and we're getting frustrated, God, remind us to imitate you. Lord, let your spirit permeate every aspect of our life God and let fruit come out that is sweet and fresh and attractive to the world God I pray that somebody this week God because of what you've done in their life through this word God would lead someone else to Jesus God because of what someone saw in them God we give you praise we give you honor we give you glory God and we look forward to the miracles you're going to do in our lives this week God in Jesus name we pray amen amen come on give the Lord praise one more time South Metro we love you thank you for being here today we look forward to seeing your family summer night this Wednesday at 6 30